0: Ladies and gentlemen, ramblers and tramps, get your hands on the wheel and go, 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 go till you can. This is the Blacktop Ramblings Podcast. I am your host and creator, Mr. Joshua James. And this is where you can come to hear about my adventures as a touring musician, wandering road warrior, ever-increasingly cynical curmudgeon, and blue-collar self-made man of simple means. Good morning, everybody. Ah, Welcome to episode six of Blacktop Ramblings podcast. I am driving uh, through the middle of Nevada uh, it's uh, what day is it? Saturday, May 26th, uh, about six, <clears throat> yeah, about 6:20 in the morning, and uh, I'm cruising down Highway 95, right through the center of Nevada, um, between Reno and Las Vegas. I just just pulled through uh, just pulled through Hawthorne, Nevada, on my way down to. Punk Rock Bowling in in, 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 in Vegas. <laughs> uh, running down there to, uh, to do merch for Larry and his flask today and tomorrow for their performances at Punk Rock Bowling. I am tired. I'm sure you can probably hear that in my voice. Um, <clears throat> we played in Reno last night at Jub Jub's and got out of there Got on the road. Uh, must have been... Must have been just before 1 o'clock, 12.45, something like that. And uh, headed as far as I could make it. Ooh, excuse me. <clears throat> headed as far as I could make it and had to pull over, take a little nap. Because um, it's always better to be safe than sorry. Cause we talked about that with Aaron in the last podcast, man. You get... You get to a certain point, and you get tired, and you, you you can't keep your eyes open anymore. It's just it ain't worth it ain't worth trying to hard charge through if you can't do it. You can't do it. Just pull over and take a nap. So I did. I was supposed to just get down, gonna lay down for about an hour, and uh, apparently I slept through the alarm and slept for a couple hours, a couple two and a half, something like that. But it's okay. Um, Google Maps says that I'll still be arriving. My destination at approximately eleven o'clock in the morning, which is fine. Uh, it means I missed sound check, but I'm not playing today, so I guess that's really not all that important. Them boys had to be there for sound check at like ten o'clock this morning. I think Loden was at nine thirty a.m. and it's a uh, it's about a seven seven to seven and a half hour drive between Reno and Vegas, so it was a rough one. <clears throat> But I'll be there, uh, I think the show starts at noon and they probably play uh, closer to 2 p.m. So I'll still be there in time to get, the, to get merch set up and sling the t-shirts and CDs and such to the fine folks in patronage of the festivities. Uh, anyhow, yeah, just cruising down the road. Yeah, I just drove through Hawthorne, oh man, um, I've only been on this road, I've only been on the 95 highway between Vegas and Reno once before, and uh, I broke down. It was one of the one of the few, a uh, couple times I had a breakdown issue all on tour, and it was right there in Hawthorne, Nevada, where I did break down before. I lost, a, my alternator went out, my old Subaru, and... I was stranded. It's a weird place to be stranded, man. You, As soon as you get out of the city, you look around the city. I say city, they use the term loosely. It's a very small little town. You get outside of the, the town limits and you might as well be on the moon. There is nothing out here. Little scrub brush, I mean, maybe, maybe two feet high at the most. But there's just like, phew. it is a vast and stark landscape. Would not want to be not want to be lost out here, uh, without the comforts of modern technology in some fashion. So uh, yeah, I was there in Hawthorne. Just just uh, came through. They got the the Hawthorne U.S. Army uh, ammunition depot. It is the largest am- ammunition depot in the world. There in Hawthorne, just north of Hawthorne, Nevada. Uh, And you just see rows and rows of these big little, I don't even know what you'd call them, bunkhouses or something, little little warehouses just lined up out there full of who knows what, things that go boom. I uh, had an interesting interesting interaction with uh, a lady, a lady army person, soldier. That was on guard duty in the middle of the night at that particular depot. I had I had broken down in Hawthorne. I was on my way. I was on my way from Vegas to. Uh, I believe I had a show in. I think it was in Fernley, Fernley, Nevada. I didn't make it. I never did make it to that show. Um, I was on my way to that show, and my alternator went out just uh, just south of Hawthorne. And I managed to coast, all right. Oh, that's what I pulled over, and uh, uh, Nevada State Patrol pulled up and ended up giving me a jump, and had given me just enough juice to get down into into Hawthorne, which is where I made it, and uh, found out that the 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 Napa that I pulled into, the only parts store in town, was closed. Um, oddly enough, somebody drove by whose aunt owned the store, they pulled in, told them, told me that their aunt was going to come down and open the store for me. <laughs> so she did, and she, and she showed up and looked through her, her, her inventory, and she did not have an alternator for a 99 Subaru, so it didn't work out. Um, I ended up calling my good buddy John Underwood, who we saw, I got to see last night, uh, playing some uh, banjo and trombone and guitar with our, our good friend's boss's daughter. <clears throat> the band that we played, one of the bands that played last night was a band we, we got to play with. They opened up their uh, jub-jubs. That was fun. Uh, but even my good buddy, John Underwood, uh, he does a solo project as well. It's kind of cool. He, uh, I called him up, told him what was going on, and he was like, yeah, man, I'll, uh, I'll help you out. So I had to call the auto zone there in Reno, paid for an alternator. John went and picked it up and drove it the three hours down to Hawthorne to me took me all of 15 minutes to swap it out and we were on the road and um, but I got up the road a little ways and got to that um, that that army depot the ammunition depot When they had a little like uh, an entry point you know a checkpoint there guard shack they had some nice overhead lights and so I I pulled over and pulled into into that under the street light and just got out real quick and popped my hood just to you know, it had been a few miles, I just wanted to kind of check it once over, make sure everything was still okay, Bolts, belts were tight and everything. And man, that lady came out of that guard shack with her gun drawn, losing her goddamn mind, telling me, you know, I needed to I needed to keep moving, I was not allowed to stop there, and I, I didn't even know what it was, I just saw an overhead street light. And I was like, right, I'm just checking something, I, I just broke down, I just switched out my alternator, just, just checking to make sure everything's okay. She wouldn't even have like rational discourse with me. Just, sir, get back in your vehicle. You need to get back in your vehicle. Close the hood. I will not tell you again. And I was like, holy fucking shit. Realized that she had a gun pointed at me. And I was like, oh, okay, fuck me. I wasn't exactly polite about my uh, my exit there. I was I was I had a few choice words for her, but I was like, you know, it's cool. It's fine. I get it. I guess don't want me to steal your bullets at your largest ammo depot ever but you know that's her job i guess what she was told to do she was just following orders but seemed a little, pre- little, little little preposterous little overreactive to me especially since i was easily 150 feet away from her little guard shack which was probably a good quarter of a mile away from the next nearest building i don't know but anyways, that was a few that was a few years ago. But that happened. So yeah, just driving through uh, old Hawthorne, Nevada. Hawthorne. This is a, to give you guys an idea of kind of what I'm looking at. Um, man, well, it looks like we got a little bit of rain. There's some there's some real heavy clouds uh, hanging out in the sky. It's kind of nice because usually it's just sunny and dry and hot. As fuck out here. But uh, being that I'm headed south with a slight easterly bent it's nice that it's cloudy because i'm not just staring into the rising sun and make for a little bit a little bit more stressful morning than i would care for it's just hard on you when you're driving it's already hard enough driving when you're tired but um uh oh yeah there's i don't know i'm seeing i'm seeing a little bit of standing water on the sides of the roads out there and some puddles and stuff might might Come across some interesting sights. Rain in the desert is always a fascinating, a fascinating phenomenon. It doesn't happen very often, and when it does, uh, it tends to trigger some pretty, uh, pretty breathtaking. Um, I don't know what you what the word I'm looking for is. Uh, happenings. You know, you get you get those flash floods, and um, you get weird. Uh, you know, blooms, blooms of flowers that only happen after it rains, and in places like where I'm going to be in just a couple of days, um, be taking my girlfriend down through uh, Death Valley on the way out of Vegas. She's gonna, she's gonna fly into Vegas and spend a few days with me on the road, um, seeing what this is all about. But uh, as we come out of Vegas, we'll have a day off, and um, I'm gonna roll up through Death Valley. One of my very favorite places on the face of the planet is is death valley california it is really really a truly magical place i don't know what it is it's it's been special to me since i was a little kid i've always had a a, a great appreciation for it <clears throat> and it's it's man it is a hostile place for sure it's they don't call it death valley for no reason but it's really neat and i'm i'm really excited to spend a little bit of time there and get to uh share that experience with her This a place she's never been so that'll be fun, but there's places down there where, you know, it doesn't get rain in certain parts, but maybe, but maybe once a year, once every couple of years. And they have these really cool little desert flowers that only bloom when it rains. And so, you know, they may, you may only see these flowers once, once or twice every five or six years. And so it's really kind of a special thing when that happens. And I'm up here and it's a little higher, a little higher elevation where I'm at right now. We've still got a little bit of that sagebrush and stuff. And so that's always fun. I always enjoy that when the when the rains come in a place like this because then those you can smell that sage real, real strong. It's it a real fragrant perfume into the air. But uh, yeah, you get, you get some crazy flash floods. Um, you know, the rain starts pouring down off the face of these hills that don't have... Hardly any vegetation or, or anything to hold the water, and so as soon as fast as it can fall, as it starts coming down the mountain, and as it trickles down the little the little uh, saddles and ridges in the in the hills, it starts to collect in larger gullies as it reaches towards the valley floor, and it can become downright dangerous um, when it gets down in the lowlands and catch you off guard. If you're not careful, you really got to pay attention to to what's happening when it starts raining out here in the desert, you got to watch. And you come around a corner. Who knows if you drop into a dip or come around a corner, you could run across a, a swath of standing water across the road that you know <laughs> you wouldn't expect to be there. You know, just have to pay attention. But it's nice. It's nice, though. It's a little cooler. You can feel some humidity in the air, which is always a, which is always a refreshing thing to experience when you're touring through the desert. Because if it, you're up at these higher altitudes with the low, low humidity and the sun and stuff. It can, it can sap the moisture out of your body real fast, cause you to be dehydrated, lose your voice, that kind of stuff. Speaking of which, I'll take a little drink. My throat's getting a little dry. But, ah, that's better. But um, yeah, so we're cruising down. So, anyways, yeah, there's a real stark landscape. You know, no trees. Fucking trees are not a thing, really. I mean, I can see a couple that are planted here. I'm passing what looks like some kind of a little industrial quarry of some kind. There's a couple little trees planted around the house that seems to be there, but those are definitely artificially uh, inseminated into the land. There's, I mean, there's you know nothing, just little tiny brush and uh, rocks and yellow mountains. And as I was, you know, as I was leaving Hawthorne, which is not a real, not a real big place, like I said, you know, that's, for real, you see one of those signs as you're leaving, as you're leaving the town, it says, next gas, 100 miles, 100 miles to the next gas station. So, you, yeah, that's, uh, that's always a, a, uh, what's the word I'm, I'm, I am running on empty with my brain here this morning. Uh, reassuring it's a real reassuring sign <laughs> but i'm okay i got enough gas to make it to tonapa which is the next next gas stop i can i could probably make it all the way to vegas on what i got so i should be fine yeah man so here we are rolling through El deserto on the way to vegas and it's been a while since i've done a podcast last podcast was with Aaron over there in in uh I own, uh, right before my show in Pendleton, That's I guess that's been almost a month. It's been a real hectic and trying few weeks for me. Mm-hmm. It's been very, very busy. Um, I've been trying to get myself prepared, not only for this two-week tour with the Flask, but also for the four-and-a-half-week tour to uh, Europe that immediately follows it. I don't even get to go home before I started. I'm finishing the tour with the Flask in Colorado Springs, and then I'm flying out the next day from Denver. So I had a lot of things to, a lot of ducks to get in a row before I took off. Uh, On this little journey, you know, bills to pay, money to pad the bank account with to make sure that the bills that will be needing to get paid while I'm gone will be getting paid while I'm gone. Because it's difficult when you're overseas to, you can make money, but you can't always get the money into your bank account real fast. Um, you have to kind of strategically, strategically uh, orchestrate that with trusted friends over there. What I do, uh, a little advice for anybody who's looking to tour overseas, uh, in in Europe especially. Um, you're not gonna find AT, you know ATMs that you can make deposits into. you can find ATMs to to withdraw money from no problem. Um, even a lot of times it's free, but putting money back in the bank is quite a bit more tricky. So there's a few options. I mean you can you can run through the the entirety of your tour and then, go to one of those currency exchange places and trade all your euros or pounds or swiss francs whatever you happen to have you can trade all those in for u.s dollars and then just bring them home but if you make more than ten thousand dollars and you're traveling into the united states with more than ten thousand dollars cash which i mean good for you if you do but it it is very possible especially if you're a if you're a bigger band you know or, or, or or a band with more people in it it's it's more likely you're going to have that kind of money, but they'll tax you on it. They you have to declare it, and it can be a it can be an issue bringing that back into the states. It can be more questions asked. You may have to pay. You have to make, pay some penalties or some taxes. Um, so ideally, you you'd like to not be traveling with that much cash. I mean, bad things can happen when you travel with that much cash too. You know. So, what I like, and those, oh, on top of that, those currency exchange places will generally rip you off if you're, especially if you're at the airport. Oh, my Lord, the Travelex or whatever it is, do not use those. Do not use those unless you absolutely have to. They will straight murder you on the exchange rate. You'll be, you'll lose money when you should be, you know, when you trade your euros for dollars, you'll lose money on the exchange where you should be, coming up ahead you know a thousand euros is worth last time i checked it was like 1200 bucks and you know you trade in that thousand euros and they might give you nine hundred dollars for it it's ridiculous what they will gouge you for but so what i do is i will uh either give i will give the money to someone that i trust that has a bank account in uh whatever country i'm in and then you have two options. You you can you give them that money and then they deposit it into their bank account, and then they can either um, use PayPal, which will do international uh, current, will do international transfers. Um, I've uh, I'm just pretty sure I just passed a really gross, very very seedy, spooky looking roadside brothel in the middle of fucking nowhere. I couldn't read the sign what it was called It said like mixed drinks and something else. It was a very tiny little shack that would serve as the bar and meeting house that was immediately flanked by two single wide mobile home trailers that looks like they've looked like they've been there since the 60s. Uh, that's a thing you'll see out here. I kind of forgot about that that they have these these real fucking shady looking Roadside brothels out here in the middle of fucking nowhere. For the lonely truckers, we got burgers and girls. Whew. spooky. Um, where do you truck them in from? That's the that's the real weird part. Anyhow, um, so you give your money to somebody and they deposit it into their bank account, and then they can either use PayPal to do a friends and family transfer to you. Which, I mean, I've used that a lot to pay for things. You know, I I, uh, I use that to pay my rent. Um, but I, I paid my friend uh, Alina Vavita uh, via PayPal. She's over there in Moscow, Russia. Um, I think she's actually in Scotland right now visiting our friend Tallulah. Shout out to you guys. Hope you guys are having a good time. Staying out of trouble, or at least as much staying out as much as much trouble as you'd like to. <laughs> Those girls can get a little crazy. I have a feeling. Um, but yeah, I paid her. I paid her via, you know, PayPal for for the artwork that she did, uh, for the cover art for the new album, which looks fucking fantastic. And uh, I've paid money to my buddy Def for different things. You know, I give send him some money. He go wrangle me up some. Some gear that I need for my for my European tour. He's super helpful like that. But you can, so you can do that without paying any kind of a um, like a three percent fee like you'd normally pay if you were selling something on on PayPal. You can do the friends and family deal. It's just through the little app on your phone. Um, comes out of your bank account, goes directly to my PayPal, and then I can then send it to my bank account. That that transfer process in order to get from bank account to bank account will usually take uh two maybe three days business days um sometimes less but you know the money's immediately available in your in your paypal as soon as it happens but it can take a couple few days for the transfer to take place and what you end up paying is um an exchange fee paypal will charge you um, a nominal fee to exchange currencies. It's not very much. I think, you know, last time I I did it, I want to say the transfer... Um, I think the transfer was something like 2,400 euro. And I think I lost um, a total of maybe... Uh, i'm trying to remember what it was it was it was maybe a hundred bucks what it ended up costing me to do that 2400 euro tran, which ended up being you know like 2700 dollars. like a 2700 transfer cost me like 90 dollars or something like that on the exchange but I, I might even be wrong it might not have even been that much it might have been like 60 bucks but that's way fucking better than you're going to end up getting if you go through any kind of a currency exchange and it's directly deposited into your checking account i want to say it's like four percent four to six percent four maybe seven percent tops is what you'll end up paying if you do the paypal transfer and that's that's the fee that they charge to exchange currencies and that's pretty normal like if you go to wells fargo here in the states and you do the same thing you go and you transfer you transfer uh, or you know you exchange some dollars and you buy some euros or my first tour I just brought euros back and then went to Wells Fargo and and did an exchange there because they had the best rate and I think it was 7% I'm pretty positive you get a better exchange rate when you go through PayPal it might be like 4.5% or something like that Really, not very much. Um, it's the simplest way that I've found. It's the fastest way, in the simplest way, least questions asked. Give the money to somebody you trust. Have them deposit it into their bank account, and then PayPal you the money, and then take that PayPal and deposit it from your PayPal transfer it to your bank account or wherever the fuck you want to put it. If you don't have a bank account, just let it sit there in your PayPal. Do whatever you want. But that's the way that I do it. But it it is a little. You know, It takes a, a, a little bit of time, and, and you have to orchestrate it, and you also have to be in a place where you can hand that money in person to somebody that you trust and, and make that happen. So that's usually something that I will try to do a couple times during a tour while I'm overseas just so I'm not driving around by myself with shit tons of cash on me because that's, that's never a really great idea. Oh, here we go. We got the Playmate Ranch, Wildcat. Yeah, the Wildcat Brothel. Got a limo. Oh man, a little little row of trailers right next to a, a boneyard of heavy equipment. Jesus Christ, that's so sketch looking. Ugh. But hey, man, it's legal. Do what you want. Where there's a where there's a will, there's a way. And a there's a supply or no, if there's a demand, there's a supply. So there, there obviously must be a demand for that kind of stuff out there. Good on you. I mean, to each their own, but not for me, I can tell you that much. It's fun to see though. It's interesting. It's definitely a curiosity. Um, Anyhow. uh, So yeah, there's that. That's the best way I've found. Um, The other option is to use an app called Transferwise which is pretty cool, especially it transfer wise is, is really great if you need to make international payments. like if you need to swap money between bank accounts, if you have international bank accounts or if you're doing more if you're if you're doing more international commerce like if you have a, uh, um, a web page, you know like a, a web store, an online store, and you're selling merchandise to people overseas, or, or, you know, if you have it in another country, or if you're, well, I mean, whatever the case may be. Like I have, for example, my friend Zana, uh, who you guys might be, remember from episode two. Um, when she was living down in New Zealand, uh, she was making monthly payments to me because uh, she had a car. She had a car payment that she had to make, and um, I. Her, I had her car on my insurance so we were I was helping her out getting a better insurance rate because we were living together kind of for I mean not what uh, kind of we were kind of living together for a short period of time there but I was mostly just helping her out um, with uh, her insurance rate was out of control it, on her own because she was young I guess um, so I put her on my insurance to save her some money and so Uh, She also was paying for half of my storage unit because she was renting it out and had it full of stuff while she was living down in New Zealand. So she would make a payment to me every month to pay for those two things. And um, the easiest way to do that was through TransferWise because at the time she was living in New Zealand, had a New Zealand bank account, and was making money down there in uh, Kiwi dollars and needed to send money to me here in the States. So with that, with that, um, business with transfer wise, you can use the webpage or you can use the, they do have an app on the phone and it's a bank to bank transfer is how this works. So it's not, it's not like an online wallet, like an online wallet, like you have with PayPal or, uh, the cash app or something like that. And it, it, you just actually, you input your bank account information and all that and how much you want to send. And then... What this company does is it takes that with it takes that money out of your bank that you that you send, and it sends it to um, a holding account. So it'll send it it'll send it to one of its one of its holding bank accounts in some other country. I don't know exactly how it works, but they manage to find the best and the fast the best and the fastest exchange rate system. To get it from whatever uh, or origin currency it's in to your to your destination currency. So in this case, kiwi dollars to U.S. dollars, and so they would take it and they would withdraw it from that, and they would do a direct transfer to one of their banks. So they have bank accounts in in different banks all over the world, and so they would make a deposit into one of their banks and. Tanzania, or who, who knows? I don't know. I have no idea where. Um, and then uh, they let it sit for uh, a business day, I do believe, and then take it from, from that account and do a transfer on their, of their own from their bank to your destination bank in the U.S. And uh, it usually... It usually takes anywhere between three and five days for these transfers to take place. So that's one thing that you have to look at with TransferWise is that it it can take a few more days. It's not as instantaneous. But um, I, I did this once uh, in, I think I was in France. I had a friend who had a, a French bank account and a British bank account, and he's the one who introduced me to it. And I gave him uh, 2,000 euros and for that 2,000 euro transfer it cost me $10. That was it. It was a $10 transfer fee. And I think part of how they keep, they they do, they have these bank accounts in in all these different countries where they actually keep money in them. And I think that's how they are able to uh, kind of get around that exchange rate. Um, fee, is that they kind of treat it as if it's just an actual deposit, and they're making money, by letting your money sit in a bank account that has their name on it for 24 hours, what they're doing is they're essentially collecting interest in that, you know, that account might be a high yield savings account, or, or who knows what kind of account it is, but Um, If they continue to, if they are managing to keep a a balance in there at all times above a certain level, they're constantly collecting insurance, excuse me, interest on, on the money that's in that, which is making them money. And that's fine. If they're doing you a service, then they can have that, you know, half a percent of interest that somebody else is paying them for the money being in the account to make loans on or whatever the case may be. This is all high finance, I'm sure, and far more complicated than I'm letting on. But I think that's kind of the idea. And then you know, then they make these direct transfers. And so they're not having to charge these ex- these exorbitant exchange fees. Um, and so they're just being able to charge you uh, a flat fee, a real low percentage flat fee. Just like I said, 2000, 2,000 euros, which at the time was like 2,500 bucks, 2,700, or no, yeah, like 2,400, 2,500 bucks. Uh, ended up costing me only $10 to do the transfers and that's kind of the case with Zana you know she would send me I think she was sending me like $130 a month and you know that transfer was costing her because she was the one making the transfer so it was end up it ended up costing her like a dollar fifty or something two bucks it was really not a not a significant amount of money at all so if you have the time and you have somebody that can do it also be careful uh, where 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 the bank is that that they're being deposited if you're doing transfer wise I tried to do this with with uh, a friend of mine in uh, in Brittany the northern northwestern part of France and there was an issue uh, the money was deposited and then the transfer was made and it was held up the French government actually wouldn't let the money leave France without being accounted for because they thought taxes needed to be paid on it because they weren't, they couldn't account for where the money came from or if the taxes had been paid because of where, who had paid it to me and blah, blah, blah. It was all a terrorist deal. And I think this was because France had, you know, this was, this was last year and there was a lot of the terrorist bullshit going on. So France was kind of on high alert. They had also just had their, their elections for president and stuff. So there was there was kind of a lot of um a lot of heightened awareness and v- diligence and and stuff as far as that kind of watching where money was going and so I can understand that but it was a real pain in the ass. I gave it to my friend, she put it in her bank account, tried to make the trans- tried to make the transfer look like everything was fine. I left Brittany and traveled to the opposite corner of the goddamn country, It was down in uh, Annecy and Lyon, and I had to I had to drive nine hours out of my way. I had a day off, thank God, before my next show in Paris, and I had to drive nine hours from Lyon all the way back to. Uh, actually, I wasn't in Lyon. I was yeah, I was staying with my friend in uh, Lausanne. But I had to drive from there all the way to um, to Brittany, nine-hour drive, uh, and accompany my friend to the bank so that they could give the money back to me in hand. They w- they wouldn't even give it to her, even though she's the one who made the deposit. They had I had to be present. It was it was really fucking stupid. So we did that. I had to drive up there. They had to give the cash back to me, and then I had to uh, ended up. Just taking the cash with me and uh, you know and drove and drove to Paris and then to my couple shows that I had and ended up giving it um, to uh, one of my trusted allies and confidants in uh, Belgium. Belgium seems to have far less stringent rules when it comes to that kind of stuff, uh, as far as money transferring and su- such. Um, I haven't had any problems at all in Belgium so that's what we did I just I had yeah so the transfer wise is a bit more of a pain in the ass but if you can make it work it is far cheaper than uh, than any other process that I've seen so if you're doing especially if you're going to be handling uh, large large transfers then uh, that's probably the best bet if you can do that oh we got bottles popping we got pressure pressure changes we're climbing what are we at 5053 feet of elevation out here in the high desert um yeah so but it but uh, paypal is definitely the, the most convenient if you can find somebody to give that money to they can put it in the bank and they can immediately turn around and make a paypal transfer to you that is the fastest most convenient and um, realistically the the cheapest way Uh, without going through a a transfer-wise bank-to-bank transfer that can take up to a week. So there is a very long-winded tutorial on how to handle getting money from your pocket in cash back to your bank account in the United States if you are touring internationally. And uh, hopefully a few of you find that helpful. Sorry if I rambled on a little too long about that, but that's okay, you know. I'm... uh, I'm I'm still on my morning brain here. It's seven o'clock in the morning and I've only had like two hours of sleep. So yay. Drive yesterday from Bend to Reno was a bit exhausting. It was, should have been a it should have been a six hour drive. Ended up being like a seven, seven and a half hour drive. I'm gonna take a drink of water here. <clears throat> and uh it was raining really, really hard actually. You had some pretty uh pretty gnarly rainstorm that i was driving through most of the day yesterday which made it less than ideal for making quick time i wasn't wasn't able to pass semi trucks and stuff as easily because you just really couldn't see very you couldn't see to get around them and even just the visibility on the road itself with the rain as hard as it was raining was difficult you know uh, even without the vehicle in front of you Made a bit of a slow go of it. Um, I was going to record this podcast yesterday on that trip, but a little too stressful to be driving uh, through that weather uh, safely while holding a microphone. And also, it was um, it was loud as shit, man. It would have been really annoying. With the rain smashing against the windshield the whole way It would have been a. a I would have bothered me. I don't know if it bothered you, but. Would've bothered me, and I'm the one in charge. So, that's, what, that's how that's how it goes. That's what happens. What I say goes. So yeah, we're doing it today. Uh, I'm just rolling down the road. Um, let's see, I got a few things. I know I had a few things I wanted to talk about. Uh, let me think if I can. I'll take a drink of water here and mull over my thoughts. Hmm. Ah yes. Uh, regarding regarding the. Uh, the traveling and uh... what's been happening um, fuck virgin atlantic airlines i don't know they might have a great s- fucking setup if you actually get on the goddamn plane fuck those guys ladies i didn't talk to any guys so i'm sorry i'm i'm only going on what i know fuck those cunts seriously i purchased a round-trip ticket from portland to London, uh, months and months ago, and I apparently got a good deal on the ticket. The ticket round trip was 570 bucks or 580 bucks or something like that. Really, really reasonable for a round trip ticket across the pond, especially since it was a direct flight. No, no layovers. No, no, no changes. Direct flight from PDX to London Heathrow, and um, and back. And my flight was supposed to leave on May 14th, um, which was the original takeoff date for my European tour to begin. That was prior to my being asked by the kind and benevolent fellows over there at Team Larry and his Flask. Uh, that was before that the Flask asked me to join them on this uh, this West Coast run, which was um something that I, I'm very thankful for. It was a really awesome uh, opportunity for me and not something I was going to pass up. This is something this is this is a tour I've been looking forward to doing for a really long time. Um, Flask is one of my very favorite bands and they also happen to be some of my very uh, good friends and um, I absolutely love hanging out with them and listening to their music and uh, I look up to them a lot. Uh, you know, as musicians, and I was really, I've been, it's been, you know, I've been wanting to hit the road with these guys for several years now, so this was an opportunity that I wasn't about to pass up, and I didn't have, I think I had one show booked in the window that I was going to need to open up in order to make this happen, so it was really easy to reschedule that one show uh, that I had booked up uh, by the time they had asked me to do this. Um, Thank you again to, uh, Our our friend Danny over there at uh, Roadhouse Barbershop in Antwerp, Belgium. I appreciate you uh, working with me and rescheduling to make it work. Uh, That'll be my first show on the European tour. will be on uh, June 9th, Saturday, June 9th at 1 p.m. at the Roadhouse Barbershop in Antwerp. Uh, It's always fun to play at the barbershops. They're kind of cool. Danny's a rad dude, too. He's got a... We got a sweet collection of guitars, uh, good-looking wife, and a even better-looking. I think it's a 1950. I want to say six. It might be five, but I think it's a 1956 Chevy Bel Air, and not no discount to his wife. She's a real, she's a real fine-looking lady. But that car is beautiful. It's got a big block in it. Oh man, it's real nice, and it's a rare thing to see over there. They don't, you don't see as many of those. Uh, those old classic American cars in Europe, as you do obviously in America. So it's real nice to see one all titty city and shiny. It's rad. Anyhow, um, so I had to open up a little bit of a window to make this happen, which was no problem, and I did, and that's great. And I was able to uh, find a one way ticket from Denver to London for like $200. So that was, it was like, okay, no big deal, you know? I've already got this round trip ticket from Portland to. Uh, to Denver, or excuse me, to London. So I'll just, I'll I'll just let the airline know that I'm not gonna take that outbound flight, and uh, but I'm I'm still gonna be on the return flight. That shouldn't be a problem, right? I already paid for the fucking ticket. I paid for the goddamn seat. It, there's no money out of their pocket. All they gotta do, if I let them know, they can turn around and resell that seat on that outbound flight. Simple enough, right? You're just doubling your money. I I cannot fathom how that would be a complication or an issue but apparently it is oh my god so what ended up happening as i tried calling them several times well i've been working my ass off for the last month or more i've been working at the mill and i have been doing sunday welding repair jobs and i've been playing two or three shows a week and I've, I've just been picking up, I've been doing construction jobs. I've been picking up work left and right. And I've been, I've been dying, man. I've been killing myself. I've been working way too much, sleeping way too little, and trying to do what I can do to make this happen and make this work. So I don't have a lot of time every day to sit on the phone on hold waiting to talk to somebody about negotiating of, of, uh, an item that I've already purchased. Well, I called, I called Virgin Atlantic several times. Um, I tried to call the reservation line, which is 24 hours a day. But, I, you know, that's fine. That's great. But every time I'd call them, I'd, be, I'd end up being on hold for 20 or 30 minutes. And I'd, ha- I'd have to do, I'd have to go back to whatever it was that I was doing, go back to work or go to bed. I couldn't just sit on hold all night long. And they have a customer care line that is open from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. British time. So, for me, being on the West Coast, that equates to 1 a.m. to 9 a.m. West Coast time. Not exactly prime operating hours for me to get up and... Oh, Monday through Friday. To make a phone call, because that's when I'm you know sleeping and then getting up and going... I've got to go to work. So, I... Um, finally was able to to get a hold of them. Um, by the time I, I finally... I finally got through uh, to to the customer service people. Whatever it was, uh, it was it was the day of my flight, and uh, the lady, I, I, she was being really really rude to me, right right out the at the gate. I don't know. Maybe that's just British charm. Lack thereof, but she was being a bitch and telling me, like, oh, you should have called us, you know, uh, perhaps you should have thought about calling us sooner. And I was like, oh, I I did. (laughs) Don't, don't, I, I know I did a bunch, I tried several times. And uh, I was on my lunch break, by the way, at work. And um, she kind of gave me the runaround on a few things, and I wasn't able to get it worked out. And so I got off the phone. I tried calling back later that evening. Um, I finally got a hold of them after my flight had left. The flight that I was supposed to be on had left. Finally was able to get a hold of them. Explained the situation. Told them I had called several fucking times. I mean, I've been calling for days. And wasn't able to get through. Finally got through. And this is what I needed from them. And they basically proceeded to tell me that I was fresh out of luck. No... No chance of, of redemption for me. No, no, no. Not as not as kind as the Canadians with their Canadian redemption. Uh, the British, they have no such favors. Uh, was essentially told that because I didn't get on my outbound flight, that in the fine print of the ticket, uh, if you do not board your first flight and you have a round-trip ticket or a ticket with subsequent layovers, all subsequent flights, all subsequent boarding passes will be canceled. So that's what happened. My As soon as I didn't get on that first flight, they just canceled my return flight. They canceled that return ticket and put it back up for sale, even though I had already paid damn near $600 for it, and there was no refund. There was no credit, no travel voucher, no, no ability or attempt or willingness to try and remedy this in any way at all the only the only option i was given was the option to purchase to repurchase a one-way ticket for the return flight on the exact same plane same flight probably the same motherfucking seat that i had already bought that i already been on from london to Portland, for a grand total of $2,087, I think is what it was, for a one-way motherfucking ticket that was, mind you, still, this is not like I was asking for a ticket for the next day. I I was on the phone with them on May 15th at this point, and the return flight that I was looking for was July 11th, so I'm giving these fuckers... Goddamn near two months and they still are telling me that a return flight a one-way ticket on that same plane that i had already purchased a round trip ticket for two that's two two plane trips for 587 dollars that half the trip was now going to cost me four times as much money i don't i don't understand how the fuck that works or on what planet that mathematically makes fucking sense and anyway and the lady tried telling me oh well sir (laughs) you fucking dipshit you should know don't you know one way tickets out of london are always significantly more expensive oh are they always a one way ticket is always significantly more expensive than a round trip ticket in and out of london no i didn't fucking know that probably because it doesn't fucking make sense and b also i don't think it's fucking true because uh what i ended up doing i don't think it's true by the way i really don't because i was able to find one-way tickets out of london to portland on that same goddamn day through other airlines for more like five six hundred bucks you know Depending on how much luggage you needed to take with you, um, definitely, definitely less than 700, and definitely way the fuck less than $2,000. I was like, "Gee, does this, does this come? Is this first class? Like, are we talking like steak and eggs, and you know, sexual favors all the way back from London? I don't understand how, how that justifies a $2,000 seat in coach." You know what I mean? That's fucking ridiculous. Yeah, and they wouldn't—they wouldn't do anything. They wouldn't do anything to even, even soften the blow. Just like, nope, that money's gone. You're fucked. Ticket's lost. We resold it to somebody else for probably way more money. And if you want to uh, get home on that same plane, it's gonna cost you a lot of fucking money—money money you don't have. So that's what happened. I even I tried running up the chain. I tried running up the management chain talking to a supervisor. I talked to 3 different women all of whom had a fucking power trippy bad attitude business going on. And I don't mean to be disparaging to women at all, but I I'm sorry to say that some of you girls when you get when you get that 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 reign of that whip of authority in your hand, you don't know how to wield it very well. I mean, and maybe they were bound. Maybe they were bound by policy, and there's absolutely nothing they could have done, which I find hard to believe. Because airlines, it's I feel like airlines are giving away travel vouchers and 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 you know, discount tickets and shit like that to people for inconveniencing them all, all the fucking time. And the lady proceeded to tell me like, well, I'm sorry, I just don't see how this is our fault. I just can't see how this could possibly be our fault and our responsibility. She's like, you're gonna have to get a hold of your travel insurance company, or your, your your travel insurance about this. I said, well, I didn't have travel insurance for this, and I was like, when I purchased my ticket on your website, there was no option to purchase travel insurance with it. She's like, oh yeah, no, we don't offer that. And I was like, well, then why are you trying to tell me that I need to that I need to call the travel insurance when that's not even something you fucking offer? And she's like, well. I I always buy travel insurance, even if I'm only taking a one-hour flight somewhere. And I was like, "Thanks, that's all fine and good, and I appreciate the life advice, you fucking smarmy bitch." But that's not what's happening here, <laughs> you know. Uh, I don't know what to tell you. Apparently retroactively fucking making things things happen is not possible. So why are you telling me what I should have fucking what I could have done when I'm trying to tell you what you need to fucking do and you're not doing it. Needless to say that didn't get me very far. And they they just they told me like, "Well, you know, responsible adults" usually do this and i was like oh do they well i apparently fucked up and now i'm having to deal with your condescending bullshit on top of the fact that you guys just stole a whole bunch of money from me so thanks for that so yeah i don't give a fuck how nice the plane is how entertaining the in-flight entertainment is how stiff the drinks are or how fucking rubbery that goddamn chicken is fuck virgin atlantic i will never be flying with them again i will never be working with them again that was hands down one of the worst customer service uh, experiences i've had Um, especially dealing with airline travel it was just fucking and i wasn't rude i wasn't rude to them i didn't call them names i wasn't mean to the to the lovely ladies who were just doing their fucking job which i swear to god they must have been they they were they were gleaning a, a bit of pleasure out of it. There was some satisfaction that they had to gain from being able to tell an American, especially a man, that like, Mm-mm, sorry, nothing we can do, sorry, should have done something different, Mister. Ugh, whatever. Anyhow, so yeah, I lost money on that one. And, uh, was forced to, uh, call WestJet, which, uh, props and kudos to WestJet, a fine Canadian business. They did a uh, far better job on helping me out. I called them. They're the company that I have purchased my one-way ticket from Denver to London from. I was able to call them and have them, um change my one-way ticket to a round-trip ticket. Um, So, I I had to amend my travel plans a little bit. I was... I will be now departing the UK on July 12th instead of July 11th. And... the best way they were able to do it is I'm flying from... I think I'm flying from London, Gatwick Airport to calgary and then i have to spend gosh i think i'm landing in calgary at like 1 30 in the afternoon canada time wherever that's going to be and then i'm departing there at 10 a.m the next day as any of you who listened to episode one may know i'm not allowed in canada so (laughs) that's gonna suck I'm not even going to be able to get a hotel room for the night and get some sleep um, or a shower or anything. Or if, uh, you know, like I had, I've had, had overnight layovers in Istanbul through Turkish Airlines before. And Turkish Airlines was always um, fantastic enough to give a free hotel room, a nice fucking hotel room with a breakfast voucher. Like, really, they were nice hotels, five-star hotels, Um, uh, including a shuttle from the airport to the hotel. All you had to do was acquire a Turkish visa, which I think cost me $25 and was good for six months. Um, Unfortunately, if there is any kind of an uh, offer of a hotel room for the night because it's an overnight layover, I don't think I'm going to be able to take it unless I can sweet-talk the very kind Canadian Uh, customs officer to grant me maybe a 24-hour travel visa, you know, like limited travel visa, like I'm not allowed to do anything except go to the hotel. I don't know. Maybe they can do something kind enough like that. Um, I think that happened in the U.K. one time. They gave me a 24-hour visa because I had an overnight layover at Heathrow. Then they might be able to put me in a hotel room. Otherwise, I am stuck in the airport for like 20 hours. Which is going to blow, because I fucking hate airports. It is one, They are one of my least favorite places to be, right, uh, right after bus stations. I do not like being in them at fucking all. They're muggy and always too warm, and there's never anything particularly comfortable to sit or lay on. Everything is, everything is just ergonomically out of spec enough to make you not want to be there for very long you know, it's, it's fine for 15 minutes but don't try and take a nap <laughs> yeah, I don't know and of course everything food wise is outrageously expensive, so that'll be fun I guess I'm just going to have to bring some snacks I'll make sure that I, when I'm departing uh, in UK I've got I've got you know, some crisps or whatever they have, they call snacks over there some goodies i don't know I have to put some put some trail mix in my fucking bag so i don't starve but yeah it's i'm not looking forward to that at all that return that return run's going to be fucking brutal it's going to be a flight from london to calgary a 20-hour layover in a fucking airport and then a flight from calgary to denver which is only like a three-hour flight which is fine um and then i'll pick up my van uh there uh in in denver Colorado, which i'll be uh the, the uh, uh, my buddy Jamin from Larian's Flask will be kind enough to let me leave it at his house under the, the watchful eye of his lovely lady Miss Victoria so that's going to be fun and uh, hopefully I'll have a couple shows I can, I'm trying to set up a couple shows in Fort Collins Denver, Fort Collins for those nights July Friday, July 13th Friday the 13th oh look at that we get another one and Saturday, July 14th uh so if you hear this and you want me to play in Colorado Springs, Pueblo, Denver, Fort Collins, Loveland, anywhere in that general area. Um hell, even Cheyenne, Wyoming. Uh get out, get a hold of me. Let's make it happen. I'm trying to I'm trying to put some stuff together. Um anyhow. Oh yeah, I also lost a little bit more money on that one, which well, I haven't Yeah, I So I I had purchased a plane ticket because I I thought my return flight was going to be coming back into Portland and I needed to get back to Denver to pick up my van. I had purchased a ticket from Portland to Denver uh, for about five hours after my plane landed in Portland to get me back to Denver so I could pick up my van. Well, I now no longer need that flight. So uh, that's money down the drain. Uh, I got a hold. I think I was... I think I purchased that one through Frontier Airlines, and the deal with it is that all tickets are refundable, kinda. So I think I can get it changed. It, basically, it's uh, they'll refund me the 186 bucks or 36—I don't remember what it was—that uh, I paid for that ticket. They'll refund it to me in the form of a credit towards a future plane ticket purchase and uh the plane ticket purchase has just has to be made within 90 days of i think it has to be made i can't remember if it's 90 days within the cancellation or 90 days within 90 days of the the scheduled departure for the flight i don't know they said the flight doesn't have to be taken within 90 days it just has to be purchased within 90 days i don't really know where else i was supposed to fly to i didn't have any plans but I don't know, maybe this is a good opportunity to go to Mexico or something, go somewhere I've never been, Alaska. Who the fuck knows? Take, a, take, a, take a, a breather, take a little respite, get on a plane and go somewhere with nothing but a backpack. That would be nice. That's something I've not really done in a very long time. So I don't know. Uh, but I also think there was a caveat that it like there's a $99 fee associated with the transfer, which is like, oh, great! So I got like 40 bucks credit towards another plane ticket that I don't need. <gasps> so that sucked. That really, that really, that really fucked me over, Virgin Atlantic, by not letting me just get on the fucking plane with the ticket that I already goddamn bought. I had to fucking totally change a whole bunch of travel plans assholes i'm done talking about it It put me in a sour mood i don't want to be in a sour mood <coughs> <laughs> yep so let's see that's that's my uh that's my rant on the fucking planes um everything else is great though all the rest of the things are great i think I don't know. Things are good. Things are good in my life. You know, they're not always good. They're not always tip top, but they are. What are we? We're an hour in. I'm running over the rumble strip. Oh, it feels good. Not really. I hate it. It's noisy. It pisses me off. You hear that? California and uh, Nevada and any other states that find it necessary to begin the rumble strip on the inside of the white or and or yellow lines. Fucking don't. Stop doing that. I totally get it. Rumble strips are great. They're very helpful. They save the shit out of a lot of lives. They, they're great. They snap you back into alertness if you're getting dozy or if you're getting a little drifty on the fucking turns. They, uh, they help you stay in the lines. Um, I don't like them as much because I tend to be a more technical driver. Um, I'm, I like to drive fast, and I, I, you know, I keep it within a safe, safe uh, speed limit. I don't, I don't go nuts, you know, but I, I definitely push it to, I push it to the legal limit all the time because I mean, you know, the speed limit's 70, the road's flat, straight. I, I can do 95 easy. I got good reaction time. I got good vision. I have, you know, uh, uh, excellent, uh, handling on the vehicle, like mechanical. Uh, I just, I'm a good driver. That's just the way it goes. Um, I really don't like it when I'm driving and I'm hugging the line, finding, uh, finding the best line to come through the apex of a corner to, to, you know, feel like you're actually driving instead of just coasting through at 45 miles an hour, whatever the little diamond, yellow diamond says. Um, I, it pisses me off to no end when you're, you're hugging that line, finding the, finding the apex, and then you tag that rumble strip before you actually touch the white or yellow line on the inside of the outside of a curve and you're like dude I'm not I'm not there yet like I'm still within my I'm, I'm in my lane I'm still within the limits of the confines of, of my boundary here you know but then you you just kind of nudge that rumble strip out there about six inches into it what does that do well that means that I'm catching the edge of that rumble strip with my with my outside or inside tire, uh, a lot of times it's you know the inside, but sometimes it's on the outside. If I catch it with that outside tire six inches before I need to, all that's doing is drastically reducing my contact patch. That's reducing the amount of surface area of tire that I have making contact with the asphalt while in in the throes of the high speed turn and so uh, for any of you who have ever experienced hitting the rumble strip um, with your outside tire while in the middle of a turn or have ever maybe been driving a little too fast on a back a backcountry road like an old logging road or a forest service road that's dirt and has had uh, uh, a little bit of washboarding occur from the last time it rained you know that when you hit those bumps and you've got that g-force pushing into the outside all it does is act like the fucking it, it just acts like the brakes got let loose and you start drifting hard to the outside of that curve because you're basically what it's doing is it's causing you to float for just a millisecond for every one of those dips in the rumble strip, because, A rumble strip is not bumps. Rumble strips are grooves cut into the asphalt. So you're essentially hitting a bunch of little gaps. And when you hit those little gaps, it causes your tire to lose contact with the fucking road. And so as you touch that rumble strip on the inside of your fucking lane, on the outside of a curve, it just fucking it just causes you to lose traction and pushes you to the outside even further out onto the rumble strip, thus further exasper, exacerbating the problem. I don't like it. I don't fucking like it at all. It pisses me off. Make the rumble strip be the yellow line on the uh, uh, you know on in the middle of a two lane like right now I'm on a two lane highway, you know one lane of traffic flowing in each direction. And I totally understand. That rumble strip in the middle is super useful. It keeps people from crossing that center lane and killing fucking everyone. So, yeah, make but make it the yellow line. You know, make it follow the yellow line. Don't make it, like I'm looking at it right now. We've got the hash yellow line, which means we can pass. Have a solid rumble strip on that, on that path, the width of the yellow line. But what I'm seeing is I'm seeing a yellow line that's, you know, uh, if I had to guess... Uh, I would say anywhere between six and eight inches wide. And I'm, then I'm looking at a rumble strip cut into the asphalt that's uh, a solid 12, a solid foot inch, or a solid 12 inches a foot a foot in width, you know? So we're talking six inches on either side of that, of that lane boundary that's getting all rumbly, you know, it's cutting in. And then, uh, and it's already a narrow road. And then the same thing. Right now, it's good on the outside. We've got the white line, the fog line, and then probably a good ten-inch buffer between it and the rumble strip. And then there's another uh, <coughs> there's another eighteen inches or so on the outside of the rumble strip before we hit the gravel, the soft shoulder. And that's fine on the outside. That's uh, okay. But California's real bad about it, man. They'll 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 tuck that fucker in on like. You'll have a rumble strip and then on the outside of the rumble strip, the fog line. And it's like, well, why is the goddamn line there? That's the visual cue. When you're driving, you're not aiming, you're not driving by fucking braille. You know, you're driving with your fucking eyes. And all you have is that very quick point of reference in your peripheral to look at to know where the safe the safe line is to follow through that curve. And if that safe line is being shortchanged, <laughs> you know. It's being, uh, uh, um, uh, it's been preempted, you know, by a, a, a ten a ten inch wide rumble strip. Well, that's that's dangerous. That's and it really is. It's dangerous because if you're looking if you're looking at that yellow line or that white line as your frame of reference, your reference point for the for finding the apex to safely navigate through that curve at, uh, a, um, you know, a, a reasonable speed. Um, and that's what you're going for. And then all of a sudden you hit a bunch of little gaps in the fucking asphalt, uh, that vibrate the entire car and cause you to lose traction, you know, 10 inches before you hit that fucking line. You know, that can, that can really screw you up. And I would, I would venture to guess that there have been several accidents caused in the last, I've only really noticed this happening um, in the last like five, six years that they've started tucking those rumble strips inside the line. But I, 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 I'd, I'd bet that there have been several dozen people who have fucking smashed up their vehicles and if not their faces pretty bad um, because they were taking a curve that they thought they could take and then they hit that rumble strip before before they were expecting to get to that outer boundary of their lane. And it caused them to lose traction and or just scared them enough to put them off their concentration and put them in a ditch. Who cause them to overcorrect? I mean, that's a real bad one. That causes you to come cross into oncoming traffic or, or uh, you know, fishtail out and roll. Real bad things can happen. So yeah, fucking stop doing that. It's it's stupid. It's annoying and it's dangerous. Okay, there. That's all. I don't know what else I was gonna say. Was I gonna say something else? about rumble strips before rumble strips i don't know probably we're a little over an hour in um so there's that yeah oh just talk i think it was yeah things in my life man things are things are good things are going well uh they don't always go well Um, and that's just the nature of the beast that we call life as we know it Uh, you can't always have what you want and sometimes what you want ain't good for you and, um, you know, I found out, I, it's not like I fucking didn't know, but I came, uh, I had a little bit of that in my in my personal life recently. I don't really like to talk about my personal life too much, but, um, it's come to my attention that I do need to be, I do need to be sharing certain things about who I am and what I'm doing and what's going on with me, um, with you guys a little bit more, um, you know, one being um, just uh, who I share my life with, and that kind of stuff. And you know, uh, you don't really think about it too much. You think about oh, you just this is a this you know you're doing the thing and this is this is a, a product, your brand, and you're trying to sell some stuff. But when you um, when you have someone in your life that you care about and you don't include them in uh the one of the things that's most important to you uh publicly it can it can sting a little bit and i totally understand that and should not even be surprised in the in the slightest bit to find out that you know it was i was hurting someone's feelings by i don't want to say actively but definitely um negligently uh leaving them out of the conversation uh, on, a f- on a few things. And that should not have been done. You know, I'd be on here talking about things that I was doing and things that were happening uh, that were experiences that I had shared with her and not mentioning her in it just because I, you know, didn't want to bring her into this world without asking her or, or whatever, feeling like I maybe I was hiding a part of my personal life from you guys because I didn't want to tarnish or diminish uh, whatever image you might have had of me as a de noir and that's bullshit and it's, it's just genuine and it's dishonest and I'm not going to do it anymore um, so there so yeah um, so my apologies um, to uh, my lovely girlfriend Alicia I'm really sorry for that and uh, I'm really sorry that I hurt your feelings in, you know, some things happen. I was, I was, uh, I was behaving in a way that was unbecoming of, of a partner and was unexcusable. And um, fortunately for me and for us, it was not unforgivable. And she, after uh, some time really rough time for both of us. Um that was a real fucking hard week, man. Uh felt like my world was being torn apart, but she was able to find it within herself in that big old gigantic heart that she has to uh to to hear me out and listen to me and um decided to forgive me and uh allow us to uh give it another shot and continue on our way um loving on each other because we do that pretty well and so that's what we're doing so yeah that's that's just that's all i wanted to really say about that just kind of make it you know a little public announcement there that i fucked up because i'm not perfect and um don't try to kid yourself if you think you are we all make mistakes and we all we all make mistakes, and we all end up at some point in our lives hurting the ones that we love. It's inevitable. We all fucking do it, and I've done it before, and I'm sure I'll fucking trip and fall again, you know, as, as we all will. But um, to those on the other end of it, you know, try and understand uh, that we're all human, and we all, like I said, we all make mistakes, and we're all fallible. We are created imperfect, and, you know, even the worst of us, even the worst of us deserve, um, deserve a second chance sometimes. And uh, to those, to those out there who have been given, are being given, or shall be given, an opportunity to um, repent for past crimes and transgressions and make amends. Uh, fucking. You know, you owe it to yourself to do yourself, to do right by you and whoever is being gracious enough to give you that opportunity. Pick yourself up, dust yourself off, knock the bullshit off, and and carry on, you know. Um, Learn a lesson from it and uh, uh, use the experience to make you a better person. Um, You know, that's all. That's all. So uh, I'm gonna, on that note, I'm going to go ahead and let you guys go. I just rolled into uh, the real fucking cool, I don't know if, if you ever are traveling down 95 or out this way um, and you travel through Tonopah. Um, hey, stop, take a look around. I'm going to get myself a cup of coffee and uh, a snack or something here at this little thing called Giggle Springs. <laughs> I think I'm going to stop there. I don't know. That's fun, Giggle Springs. But uh, it's a cool little western old Old westerny, mining-looking fucking town in the middle of nowhere, Nevada, out here in the desert. Um, yeah, I think it was a, I think it was an oil town, mining town. I don't know. It's kind of cool though. Lots of rocky hills around and stuff. But it's called Tonopah, and that's where I am. That's where I'm at. Um, just a couple more hours. What is we got? We got 7:45 in the morning. I just got a few more hours before I'll be in Las Vegas. Uh, be doing the pool party with Larry's flask punk rock bowl and that's gonna be a blast so uh, on that note um, thanks a lot you guys uh, keep up with the schedule online watch out for the tour dates come into a town near you if you are in a town near where I'm going uh, and that's fucking all for now I'll have another one of these episodes up in just a couple days I'm gonna sit down with some of the boys we'll do some chit chatting while we got uh, while we got some time. Sitting by the poolside, soaking up the sunshine and whatever else we can find in our hands. All right, all you lovely, lovely people. All you wanderers, all you idiots, all you ramblers, all you working class folk. I uh, Love you all to death. We'll see you soon. Okay, bye-bye-bye. This is Joshua James saying three pedals are better than two and two wheels are better than four, but there's room enough for all of us out there. Just so long as you keep up with the speed limit, use your turn signals and stay the fuck out of the left lane. Be good to them, but be better to yourselves. Thanks for listening to the Blacktop Ramblings podcast, everybody. Bonsoir, amigos.